Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunch, Brian Christopherson. Everyone here has been snowed in the last day and a half or so. Gentlemen, did you, uh, how many times did you scoop the driveway, Michael Brunch? Uh, three yesterday and, and one so far this morning. BC? Uh, just one time. Um... I, I just did enough to get my car out and the guy with the snowblower and my neighbor, beautiful, beautiful gesture came and did my walkway while I was there. And I gave him the Midwestern head nod. And it was, it was a great, great communal moment. The Midwestern head nod. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, you know, a, a real, a real tradition that uh, everyone learns at a young age. It's how you acknowledge the other people in the neighborhood and you do it in such a way so no one feels compelled to talk to each other. It's what's beautiful about it. Yeah. And, and then Bruns fired off the uh, tweet of the snowstorm. He had a Larry Bird gif of him like laying when he was working out his back. I, I, thought, I thought he nailed it. Yeah, it's uh, I'm at the point now with the scooping where there's nowhere else for the snow to go. Yeah. Like I, I, I've, I've got a really narrow driveway and there's not much grass on next to the driveway between that and the neighbor's fence. And uh, I, I, there, there's nowhere we're, we, we're going to need a bigger driveway, I think, is the, the problem here. So you I'm have stuck. a really long driveway, if I recall correctly. I do, and it sucks. Yeah, I'm, I have like a, a pretty uphill but very short driveway, so that's kind of nice. I just have the, the big shovel that you just push the snow with. You don't have to do like a ton of, uh, you don't have to do a ton of the scooping, but I still had to go out. It took basically four times, uh, you know, I think four times yesterday and then one time today. So I'm at five right now. Jeez, overachiever. And you walked both, you walked barefoot through the snow to get to your radio show yesterday? Uh, not barefoot, but yeah, I, I definitely walked through the snow to, to get there. And it yeah. was, uh, it was one of those things where it sounded like a good idea relative to driving, and I'm still glad that I did it, but that walk back was miserable. And a walk that takes about eight minutes took about 20 to 25. So it was not, a, it was not enjoyable. I, I picture the scene from Rocky Four. Yeah. When he's running through the snow and he has, he has like a tree over his head or something that he's carrying. Being tailed really closely by like a late 80s Mercedes. Yeah. The Russians were spying on him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I envisioned when you told us you walked to the radio store. And then you yeah. did like a fancy jump roping session in your garage where you kind of did that cool thing with the jump rope that Rocky does. Where he like sashays it. Like oh, yeah, that's awesome. I used to try to do that all the time as a kid. Like I, it was like my biggest goal. That was seriously one of my top three goals as a teenager or junior high kid. And I couldn't do it. Could you do it now, now that you spend 23 hours a day working out? You would think so uh, with a body like this and uh, the fitness regimen I have, but no, it, it, it eludes me, that skill. Do, do either of you, so I, I feel like this happens every snowstorm. There's like the handful of people that are just like, F this, it's time for a snowblower. Have either of you ever gotten to that point? I'm, I'm getting closer to that point. I think mm-hmm. I'm not there yet. I'm 
if, if scale of one to ten, I'm probably at about a six right now. BC. Yeah, I I think next year I might do that. Um, it it's. I think I can make it through this winter, but yesterday was maybe a tipping point. That's a good question by you. Cause it felt like a, it felt like a pivotal moment in that uh, decision process for me. But then you, you like, you notice that like yesterday is like a total outlier. Like we'll have a winter that won't have as much snow as Lincoln got yesterday. Like that's the, that's like the thing that keeps me from, from pulling the trigger on it because it, you know, most years it's manageable to just get by with the shovel. But then it's the days like yesterday where it's like, yeah, it'd be nice to have that snowblower. You're also supposed to be like kind of a good person if you get a snowblower. And I'm not sure that I'm ready for that responsibility. You know, like you're supposed to, I think when you get the snowblower and people in the neighborhood, like, oh, the, the neighbor got a snowblower. There's a little bit of an expectation with that, that you're going to do at least the walk for about three houses. I think, I think that's sort of a thought. And I would do it if I got a snowblower, but you're, you're asking for some more responsibility. That's not just your property. This, this is a, this is a good segue here. So upon my walk yesterday, I walked by two cars that were stuck and I offered neither of them help. Am I a terrible person? (laughs) Did you have a shovel with you? I didn't have a shovel. What were you really going to really do? The first one I was trying to get to the radio station and I didn't know how much time I was going to need. So I was worried about being late because, you know, when you get roped into these things, you can't like quit halfway through. Like you, you gotta, you gotta get them out. Like that's a, it's a, it's a big commitment I feel. And I, uh, I, I definitely felt like the people sort of looking at me as I walked on the first one and I walked by the, the car that was stuck. And there was, there was two people out pushing, trying to get it out. And I just felt like they had the numbers. Like, they didn't really need me there. And then the other one was, uh, it was going to be an even longer situation. It was a car that looked like it turned too early or spun and was up on someone else's, like, lawn and also stuck. And there was two people showing up with, like, snowblowers to try to remove the snow. And, again, I just felt like there was nothing I could actually offer. So am I just making excuses or do I have valid points here? And it was an 88-year-old woman. <laughs> no, I, I think both of these would have qualified as college-age uh, people. Eh, they're oh, young. They can do then it. it. It's a life lesson for them. There, there was, I'll, I'll give you a quick story before we transition. So yesterday, car gets stuck at the end of my street. Go down to help the person. I don't know who they were. So this car is like high-centered. Um, it's a two-door Pontiac. And the other neighbor comes and helps get the car kind of moving a little bit. It's in the middle of like a busy street. So you need to like get this car out of the way or it's going to get just crushed by something. So we get the car turned, get it down a street. The person that was coming to pick this person up says to us, why are you, why are you going forward with the car? That was the first thing. Wait, Hmm. what? That, that that was that not like a hey thanks or like hey appreciate you you know getting the car out of the out of the street here it was why are you moving forward and then that was that was the end of the interaction <laughs> did they ever get out of the car uh yes they did this this was the person that came to pick them up that said this to us gotcha okay 
and, and, and no thank you from the person in the car. Not that that's why I was doing it, but just saying. Yeah. You didn't get a thank you. No. Oh, man. For that effort, you didn't get a thank you. Nope. What I get a, that's tough. I get a little... Uh, just a little bit chapped if you hold the if you hold the door for somebody and you kind of have to wait you know like you you got to wait for a five second count and if you don't get the thank you i get a little like what no thank you you know on that and then this is like 10 times that yeah why are you moving forward that was it bc <laughs> do you ever do a very loudly you're welcome is there walking <laughs> No, I don't. Um, and I've sounded like a real jerk sore in this podcast, I think, because I've thought about some of the stuff I've said. But yeah, I, that, I mean, I think people think that, though. Sometimes you hold the door. It's like, what, the no thanks? Did, was it open for you? But this, what Brunts did was just an act of great humanity and nothing. Brunts, he's, uh, he's just a, a good Samaritan, unlike me, who... Saw two different people in peril and avoided both of them. Well, long story short, now I'm going to have to see friend of the pod, Todd Peterson, about my back. So that's that's where we're at now. <laughs> that, that's probably the biggest reason why you did the snowblower <laughs> at this point. Yeah. We, should have, we should have an ad for Todd Peterson's uh, place. Like, that'd be kind of funny because he's in Chicago, right? Like, if, just... if, if, Yeah. <laughs> if he were in Lincoln, he'd probably have another wing on his house by now. <laughs> All right, let's transition, guys. Enough, enough weather talk. All right. Well, let's uh, let's dive into some wide receiver talk. How's that? I'm not even going to try to segue it. I'm Todd not Peterson. Say, like there's an avalanche of new receivers in Lincoln. I'm not going to do anything like that. Instead, we're just going to bring up the fact that we're going to be talking about Nebraska's wide receivers on this podcast. And it's an interesting room for a variety of reasons. They lose Wondell Robinson. Third straight year, they'll have to replace their leading receiver. Uh, difficult, difficult ask of Adrian Martinez. One of the things I think people forget about when they criticize Martinez, he hasn't had a lot of continuity with the offensive weapons around him. That's going to continue again with this wide receiver room, but I do think there are reasons to be excited about what the Huskers have here. So Mari Toure, obviously the new name from Montana, he's going to be uh, expected to, to help out. And then of course there are some guys like Xavier Betts and Oliver Martin, Alante Brown, that had little moments last year. And then you have an incoming freshman class that looks pretty good. William Nixon is going to be returning. And of course, there's still that guy that's out there in Omar Manning. And so we'll see what he does, if anything, in 2021. Where do you guys want to start with this BC as we dive into wide receiver play and what to expect for the upcoming season for Nebraska? Um, I could start with Toure because I, I love his resume. I mean, 1,495 yards out of Montana in 2019 is, is something else. Uh, I think he had 301 game, right? 320 or something like that and broke Randy Moss's like 23-year-old playoff FCS record. So uh, he's he has definitely produced. And the question I have with him is I'm not saying can you be Stanley Morgan, but can you be a guy in a similar vein who – your quarterback can trust to throw a 50-50 ball and you can go win sometimes. And that hasn't been in Nebraska's offense since Morgan left. And if you watch college football, uh, as much as, you know, we guys drop these 
fancy plays and think about things inside and out and what's going to work and what isn't. There's a lot of times it comes down to, do you have weapons on the outside who can go up one-on-one and just beat the other guy across from him for a ball that's in the air? There's a lot of high-level teams that succeed with that um, in keeping drives alive. And Nebraska just has had no semblance of that. And so I'm hoping like Toure can, can do some of that, you know, where he can be an example of a guy who wins those fights. Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, he's, he's a really intriguing kind of wide receiver because it's, it's different than what we've seen Nebraska run out there a lot, but I think it's also emblematic of what they want this offense to kind of be moving forward too. So I, I think they want, these taller wide receivers, they want to have those opportunities for those 50-50 balls, guys going out and making plays. I mean, you, you saw that just this last weekend in the NFL. Uh, some of those big plays were just receivers going up and tracking the ball, coming down with it. Nebraska hasn't had that a whole lot. Stanley Morgan did it for him in 2018. They really haven't had it since then. What about you, Brunts? What stands out to you about this wide receiver group at first blush? Well, I mean, it the group as a whole, I mean, they're, they're bigger and – I mean, to, to BC's point about, you know, a guy like Ture being able to go up and get the, 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 the 50-50 balls. I mean, that, that to me is the biggest change that Nebraska's made, you know, not only with last year's recruiting class, but also this year. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a bigger group. you got guys that can block on the edge. And I know even, you know, going back to, you know, kind of the late Mike Riley's staff, they were concerned, too, about the, the size of their wide receivers – in the big 10 and, and trying to get bigger in, in that way. I mean, obviously Nebraska's difficulties with not only getting wide receivers to campus, but also keeping them there is pretty well documented. But I think ultimately, you know, having a little bit more physicality on the edge is a good thing. Um, you know, you, you see bigger uh, corners in the big 10. I think it helps you get a little bit more separation sometimes too. And, you know, maybe that, that does help, um, you know, you, you look at kind of what Adrian Martinez did to the last four games uh, of the season in 2020. I mean, he was very efficient, but a lot of those were short throws, quick throws, um, you know, not a lot down the field. And I, I think that the, you know, bringing in guys that are 6'2", 6'3", you know, close to 200 pounds, uh, I think that's one way to – you know, be able to get a few more bigger plays if you're not able to get a ton of separation at the line of scrimmage, which, which you know, Nebraska's had guys open, but I don't think it's been, um, you know, something that's really kind of been consistent enough uh, to, to really kind of take the passing game to the next level. So that 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 is that is what stands out to me most about that group right now. Yeah, I think that's I think that's completely fair. I, I'm really kind of curious. I think there's some really interesting kind of younger guys. Obviously, Will Nixon, we won't know how much he's going to perform in the spring coming off of that knee injury, but he's certainly someone there seems to be excitement about. Elante Brown at this time last year was kind of the talk of the the position room, if you think about it, because he had come in early. He'd already shown to be pretty athletic in the early workouts. There was a little bit of buzz about him. You fast forward to, to March, and there's some talk about what he can bring to the offense. Never gets to have that spring ball doesn't really seem to have a defined role in Nebraska's offense, which generally lack defined roles for everyone on their offense, save for a couple guys. And I, I, I don't think that we should give up uh, that excitement that's there for Elante Brown's athleticism. Remember he's transitioning over 
to playing wide receiver after being a quarterback for quite some time. It was going to take a little bit of time for him. I, I think he's a guy. Uh, and then, of course, Xavier Betts. I mean, you look at those young wide receivers. I think there's reason to be optimistic about that group. And, and I think between those two specifically, and then you throw in William Nixon, and then, of course, you're going to be able to add, you know, three wide receivers from that 2021 class. And then there's this aspect of it. It wouldn't surprise me if, especially in this first year, Thomas Fedoni is used more like a wide receiver than he is like a tight end. And I, I think that well, you, however we count his production, whether it counts in the tight end room or the wide receiver room, he's going to be a big part of that passing game. And so yeah, I don't know if you could have this conversation about that group without also throwing that in there. So there's, there's a lot of young guys, and it's always difficult to count on that for production. So that's why it's important that Samari Toure is involved. Oliver Martin, I know BC just wrote about last week. He's a guy that I, I think looked like a, a person that can help this team late last season. I know they missed on a couple throws, but he was out there. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Oliver Martin emerge a little bit of a deep shot option for this team too. Yeah. I mean, Oliver Martin, if you look at his track record, the the first blush thing is to say, well, he's, this is his third school. It just hasn't worked at the other places, but he was actually making a move at Michigan when he transferred like Carball was surprised he transferred because he, he had played for him the year before and was sort of having a good spring and was probably a too deep guy. And then at Iowa, he got lost there a little bit behind a really good pack of wide receivers that, that they happened to have that year. I mean, they, they had like three or four guys who were very talented and he sort of uh, was on the back burner. So I don't, I agree with you. I like what Oliver Martin showed, and uh, should have had like a 60, 65 yard touchdown. I think it was the Minnesota game, if I remember right. Um, but, but Adrian overshot him. But real quick about the 2020 guys, I kind of come down to this. They need three fourths of those guys. We're talking Betts, Manning, Nixon, Alante Brown, those four guys. If you could tell me that three of them take a big step this year, and make that move where you feel like at the end of 2021, they really progressed. And you're, I, I think, I think then you've, you've got something, something special working. Yeah. What do you think about the younger guys? Brunster, someone that, that stands out in that group to you off of what you saw? Yeah. I think Oliver Martin's an interesting case because, um, you know, he, he was a guy that basically wasn't practicing with the offense. And he comes in and, and, you know, you look at kind of the way he was used and I mean, he was getting the bulk of the snaps late in the season. I mean, I think he played over 40 snaps against Minnesota. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think of the young guys, uh, I, I use young and air quotes with him just cause he's new. I mean, I, I don't think we necessarily got to see him at full strength. Um, you know, Xavier Betts, is another guy who, you know, we saw, you know, I, I think would have, you know, really kind of benefited from a little bit more time uh, to kind of learn things, but he showed in fits and spurts that he can be, um, you know, a, a really, you know, I, I think a big piece of Nebraska's offense down the road. Um, you know, there were still times where he was kind of in the wrong place, running the wrong route or, you know, still kind of learning things. You could tell that. And, you know, I think once he kind of gets that stuff 
you know, in the right direction and, and, and learn that, I, I think he's going to be a really dangerous guy because, you know, he kind of fits that profile of what Nebraska is looking for offensively and is just so smooth when he has the ball in his hands. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, I think that's absolutely uh, a fair point there. Um, let's let's take a break. We'll be right back after this. OK, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road with available H-Track all wheel drive and three row seating. My whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back. A little bit of breaking news occurring as we were recording the podcast. We're going to shift our conversation a little bit here. Nebraska will no longer have the services of Luke McCaffrey, Will Farniak, Cade Warner. All three of those offensive players entered the transfer portal on Tuesday morning. Gentlemen, I'm guessing we'll spend most of the time talking about Luke McCaffrey, but I'd like to give each of you a few seconds to talk about Cade Warner and Will Farniak if you'd like. Well, both had their – well, I mean, Will Farniak only played in one game, correct, Brunts? He just wrote that up, I, if he, I remember. He played, he played in four total. And, and won this year. Won this year and against uh, Ohio State, of course. Yeah, when it was a blowout. Um, and Cade, Cade Warner, I mean, that's notable because he, he was a team captain this year, um, and he earned a scholarship prior to the season. His playing time really dipped. And he, I think, ended up with five catches for 40 yards. So he was sort of getting – it felt like he was sort of getting moved out of the wide receiver rotation as some of the younger bucks were coming up. So I don't think that one's a stunner. But, you know, it, you attach that he's a captain with it, and, you know, people are going to discuss that a little bit. But I don't think either of those are a surprise. And as we'll get to, I don't think Luke was a surprise for those who were paying close attention. Runts? Yeah, I mean, the, you know, we, we kind of talked about wide receivers in the first um, segment and didn't really talk much about Cade Warner. Um, you know, the notable portion there, uh, obviously a, a team captain uh, selected by his teammates. That's probably the, the, the kind of most intrigue, I think, to me um, with, with that one. And, you know, McCaffrey's an interesting case. I mean, it, it doesn't look great that, you know, he's moving out. Uh, Nebraska obviously said that they wanted him as a quarterback. I don't think that there was really ever any, uh, I guess, any question about that, at least publicly. So, um, you know, that, that had kind of been rumored in the works. I know he said he was kind of going back and forth on it. Uh, but, you know, now, you know, Nebraska has – uh, another kind of inexperienced quarterback room behind Adrian Martinez, which I guess will uh, provide a little bit of intrigue for the spring and also maybe what Nebraska does with its, its last, uh, last couple of remaining scholarships. 
Yeah, that's that's sort of an interesting situation because I, I don't see them bringing in a quarterback. And yet at the same time, I look around at the other options and it's almost like I think they, they possibly could. And not just like a guy to just be the backup for this year or whatever, but someone that can challenge um, whenever the, the period of time comes that Adrian Martinez isn't the starting quarterback at Nebraska. And, you know, to, to provide a little bit of depth there as well. So that'll certainly be something to keep an eye on. And, and of course, you know, 2022 recruiting, they're going to have to go hard after a quarterback. Uh, we'll see where they end up with things. The, the Luke McCaffrey situation is is – kind of odd because I I'm sort of baffled a little bit by the steadfast belief that he had to be a quarterback and I I understand like you want to play what you want to play but your dad was an NFL Hall of Fame wide receiver or at least an all pro wide receiver your your brother is an NFL running back like these guys have had success not playing the quarterback position and with no offense to Luke McCaffrey he's not even the best quarterback in his own family He's not the best quarterback with the last name McCaffrey in the transfer portal right now. And so I, I found it odd that this was the decision that was made and maybe he'll go somewhere and he'll be fantastic in an offense that's able to utilize him uh, in that manner. But I, I would have thought that there could have been a real conversation that you at least keep the idea open that he could be the quarterback after Martinez leaves. But in the mean, in the meantime, he's able to help out the offense because as a freshman, it seemed like he was willing to do, sort of whatever it was. And then this sophomore year after that Ohio State game, Nebraska never used him in any manner that wasn't just as a backup quarterback or a guy to bring in for a spark or a guy to bring in if Adrian's hurt. So it struck me as just kind of this weird conversation. And then you throw in Frostone comments about how he's the future of the program. From an optics standpoint, today looks terrible. From a, from a depth chart standpoint, I don't think he was taking that job back from Adrian Martinez. Yeah, I didn't – I mean, we've kind of talked about it a little bit. I, I don't think that there was – you know, based on what we saw late in the season from Luke McCaffrey as a quarterback, I don't think that he was going to be able to show enough to overtake Adrian Martinez, and especially with the way that Adrian kind of seemed to right the ship for himself personally after getting benched. Um, you know, so that – then I guess it's like if, if you're if you're Luke at that point, do you try to go through another spring? Do you wait it out? I mean, I, I think you're right a little bit where, you know, you're a quarterback. You feel like you're a quarterback. You you can be patient for a little while, but I mean, I I don't know that, you know, when, when they talked about the future being Luke McCaffrey, I don't think that that was going to be in in 2021 at the quarterback position. Well, I think some of that, I'll. I'll I think some of that, what was said is to just trying to publicly maybe keep a guy in the fold a little bit. I mean, I, I would guess that would be part of it. And you got to, sometimes I think coaches have to play that game where um, you, you let a guy know both in person and sometimes through the media that, you know, you've got a shot to compete here. We still view you as an important piece of this thing down the road. There's no question in my mind. They really like Mario Verdusco and Scott Frost really, uh, I think they wanted to keep Luke McCaffrey. And um, I think they did see potential in him as a quarterback uh, where other people did not. Uh, but ultimately you guys are right. It, I think it was clear by the end of 2020, it was Adrian's show 
And uh, I'm guessing that's what, what Luke saw too. Um, you know, he's, he was a burst of lightning when he was running the football. There's no doubt about that. Like he, he had a, he had a way about him that had a little bit of crouch esque type running ability where when he got in space, you're like, Oh, this is fun to watch. But that passing game had so far to travel still. And uh, there's a lot of skeptics that he's going to make that journey, but you know, best of wishes to him. We'll see where he ends up and, and how it goes. That's, that's the beauty of this thing. It always plays itself out over the next few years and you kind of see who was right and who was wrong. I've got kind of a random question for you guys that not random because it fits along with what we're talking about, but it's sort of weird to think about. Look, essentially Nebraska's last three quarterbacks are all going to be four-year starting quarterbacks. Adrian could be a five-year starting quarterback if it plays out that way. Yet somehow this program is in a worse spot because of it, even though that's quintessentially viewed as the most important position on the field. And I don't think that you could argue that Taylor Martinez or Tommy Armstrong or Adrian didn't have talent. How did it go so wrong when you think about how few quarterbacks Nebraska's actually had to go through to start games relative to their peers that sometimes have to replace the quarterback every other season? It's sort of weird to me that they've had this much of an issue on offense, and yet they've had stability at what is regarded to be the most important position. Yeah. Um, Bruns, you want to take that quick? I sorry, I yeah, it's a call here. It's it's interesting that what <laughs> I don't know. BC like starts in and then he's like, This question's stupid. I'm gonna let no, that. it wasn't stupid. I i got a I got a text message and it, you know how my brain is. It like that was enough. I couldn't do those, I can't chew gum and walk at the same time. It It, it is interesting that the amount of consistency that Nebraska has had with certain starting quarterbacks and also the, I guess the lack of consistency with being able to kind of, basically the guys that have been starting quarterbacks at Nebraska have have struggled with a lot of the same issues. And this is, I mean, kind of well-documented that the quarterback position at Nebraska for a long time has been, a pretty big cause of the turnover issues that have plagued Nebraska through the years. So, I mean, you look at the quarterbacks that started going back to Taylor Martinez, then to Tommy Armstrong and now Adrian Martinez. Well, I forgot about Tanner Lee was in there for one year. Yeah. But it, it's just, it's such like a either, or, I mean, you've got guys that were capable of making just, jaw-dropping big plays and were the types of athletes that really can put pressure on opposing defenses and at the same time in the same breath have had issues with consistency with turnovers and you know it's I I don't know like it's it's almost like the the promise of those tantalizing plays has been enough to outweigh the the, the mistakes to keep them in the job, but maybe not enough to, you know, propel the team forward. If that makes sense. I'm kind of talking through this, I guess, as I'm, yeah. as, as I'm going, but that's, that's what it feels like to me, at least. It It's interesting because all three of them have a big element of the boomer bust to them. And it feels like they, they, they bust in a fair amount as much as they boom. And then there's the other added caveat of this. 
all three of them had to be the focal points of their offense, even though one of them in Adrian Martinez had some of the best uh, teammates at times that, you know, with Rex Burkhead, Amir Abdullah, some of the NFL talent around them, you were, they were able to build out that offense at a higher level than what we've seen uh, with, with Adrian Martinez. And I, I think that that at least is a little bit of an element of it is when you make the offense so quarterback centric, it, it really highlights the flaws of these guys to the nth degree. And then they, they're around so long that it almost just feels like there's a fatigue factor too. Well, yeah, I mean, Adrian is being asked to run the football 20 or 25 times a game, which isn't the norm for a lot of QBs across the country. So he's like, he's doubling the amount of opportunities uh, where something bad could happen, where he could have a fumble and stuff like that. And I'm not, I'm not making excuses for him because that has to go away, but that that's a big part of it. He's got so much on his shoulders and back to Luke. If you want to talk about a play that really changed a lot of things, perhaps, you know, it's interesting how some of the stuff works. How about the first play of the game against Illinois, you know, where he's getting his second start, Although he did not play phenomenal against Penn State, they had won the game. And if they had a good day against Illinois and they win again, you wonder if they so- sort of soldier on with him at quarterback because they are getting W's and, you know, you kind of keep it going. And instead he has a play where it just sets a terrible tone from the beginning. Yeah, it was a bad call, but it was also a questionable decision by McCaffrey. And the whole day just went to crap for him. I mean, I think he had five turnovers and that was sort of it, you know, that sort of was like, well, that the, the McCaffrey experiment in the public's eye uh, had sort of played out a little bit to some people. Like they thought they'd seen enough of him as a QB and uh, his deficiencies. And Adrian had stayed strong as the guy who uh, was still with the team and still, you know, giving speeches in the locker room. And I think, as you guys said at the outset or at the beginning of this, he I think Adrian in the last four games sort of had a firmer grip on the job than he had before the season began by quite a bit, actually. Yeah. It's just like one of those weird things to think about as you think about where Nebraska sits as a program and you can't even blame, you know, quarterback play because they they've gotten better quarterback play than a lot of other programs in the country in that same time and have no real results to kind of show for it in the back half of that. So uh, it's just, it stands out. Um, any other thoughts we want to get to on this? I mean, I, I, I do think, you know, it puts a lot of pressure on Logan Smothers to, to basically be ready to go when his name is called. Adrian Martinez hasn't played in every game of his career uh, as a starter at, or hasn't played in every game of a season as a starter thus far in his career. I should say that so people can understand it. And that means Logan Smothers is likely going to be called upon. And then, you know, Heinrich Harburg is enrolling early, but I, I think having seen him, he's a long way away from helping. I almost think Matt Masker right now slides into that third quarterback role. And so um, that's kind of a, a big spring for Mario Verduzco uh, yet again. And, and another situation where they, they have their, their main guy, but the, the emphasis of, of getting those ones behind them is going to be really big. It reminds me of um, 2018 right now. I mean, that's that's sort of where the room is, um, you know, when basically it was sort of cross your fingers and hope Adrian doesn't get hurt. Um, and then Andrew Bunch was next up at 
of course, this was after Jebbia left and all that, but it, it feels like a similar depth chart right now to that, that point. Uh, so yeah, I, it makes you wonder what, would they, uh, you know, kick the tires now in the, in the portal on, you know, adding a guy who can join the competition. You mentioned Harburg. We, we both like, um, I think what that, that guy's made of, um, and his mindset, but it, it, he's a work in progress. And he's, I think the first one to admit that in the interviews he's done with us. So, you know, he's probably going to need a year behind the scenes. So basically you're talking about, you know, two scholarship quarterbacks right now. And one of them we haven't seen take a snap yet. Yeah. Well, that, uh, that, that just tracks along with the rest of this offense. Outside of the offensive line, much of what you know, and tight end, much of what you know, you have to, to build in your mind until you get to see with your eyes in the fall. Quarterback is a tough spot to keep your – I think it's one of the hardest positions to keep your room full, and especially by the time you get to the season. It feels like across the country uh, there's always going to be at least one guy in a QB room who transfers out now, and – I mean, you can even go back to title teams for Nebraska. When you got down to the third quarterback some years, it was it was uh, kind of dicey. I mean, Matt Terman started a game as a walk-on once in a championship season. So I, I don't want to act like it's always just uh, the quarterback room is always full of four and five scholarship guys, even if that would be ideal. A lot of times you do have to work with maybe two or three guys. I think the nervousness here – is that you just don't know what Logan Smothers is yet. I mean, he was going to be a big curiosity in this spring to begin with, and now you can multiply that, you know, by 100 because uh, he's he is fully in the fray now. Any closing thoughts here? No, I mean, I, I think it's going to be – this sets up a fascinating spring. I mean, it was going to be anyways on the offensive side of the ball, and now you've got, you know, a, a – an unsettled depth chart at quarterback. Um, and, and frankly, a lot of guys, not only at the quarterback spot, but at other positions in the mix that, you know, really would have benefited last year from another spring ball. So the, the offense is going to need to, uh, to really kind of catch up quickly in those 15 practices. They're going to need a heck of an off season, I think. All right. Well, let's, uh, Let's close this one down. We'll be back Thursday. We're going to get into a little recruiting here and talk about Avante Dickerson. He did decommit from Minnesota. We're going to wait until Thursday to do that with the breaking news of the transfer portal guys here today. So we'll do that on Thursday. We'll be back with another podcast then. As always, check out what we got going on at Husker 24-7. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.